0: official podcast we've got an absolute blinder here today we've got a man who barely needs an introduction of course into up to us dentists his reputation precedes him he's written three books would you believe three books on marketing communication and dentistry a lot of us have been on his courses as well his name in case you haven't heard of him i'm sure you have his name is ashley ladder how are you tonight ashley
1: great james yourself Good, really good, thank tremendous,
0: you. Mate. I'm smashing, I'm smashing. I've had a day off, so I'm recharged. My battery's at peak capacity. I'm happy, I'm ready to go. I'm a lot more alive than what could be expected to be normal on a Friday night, which is brilliant. Ashley has got the most wonderful array of Man United shirts in his office that I can see behind him. For people who are, <laughs> listening, people who are listening, you won't be able to quite regard the spectacle that's there, but there's at least 20 shirts there, and most of them are signed. <laughs> so I'm blown away. That is quite something. Any Manchester it's, uh, it's, uh, in Dream in Dreamland in that place? Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah. A few of them are my, uh, gifts for my 50th birthday party. And um, um, it's just going to charity events. I think I'm probably, the, you know, probably have too much to drink and I end up put, <laughs> keeping my hand up last for these bids. So I end <laughs> oh, up coming home for sure
0: oh I see well hopefully one day I'll have as many signed Arsenal shirts as you do Man United shirts because that really is- Okay. I can see a signed gig shirt behind Ashley for anybody who can't see uh, who's listening on the podcast and that really wow I'm blown away that really is something fair play fair play good stuff Cool. So, as we already know, Ashley has got quite a, how can we say, his reputation precedes him in the dental industry. He's quite well known. But maybe a lot of people don't really know the story behind how Ashley came to be prominent in dentistry. Um, because he is of course not a dentist. Ashley, would you like to share with us how you came to be known in the dental industry as this great, uh, well, person that helps us communicate on the topic of sales, so well, despite not coming from a dental background, what was your journey?
1: Sure. Well, I, I, I in February 2021, I'll be celebrating my 28th year as a, a business trainer, sales You've coach. Been
0: a business trainer, almost as many years as I've been alive, because I'm 20. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I feel, I feel it anyway. Today, I feel it. But anyway, but yeah. I, I, um but, but the, the journey started i think about 22 23 years ago when i was um delivering a two-day sales training course in in north manchester um we had about 20 delegates on the course but uh, people like engineers recruitment it uh but right at the bottom of the list was two dentists um and i was racking my brains why two dentists were taking a sales training course um so i got to meet them the night before and i said you know guys why are you taking a sales course and They they were NHS dentists. They could place veneers, crowns, implants. They could do all the dentistry, but what they couldn't do was get the patient over the line. They would talk very technical. They would write large treatment plans and say, go home and think about it. And then they would um, often discount in the head. So if the fee was 500 or pounds, by the time it came out of the mouth, it would be 420, I've you know, £80 been pound would go I've missing. i there
0: so many times, and I don't yeah. know what it is. I thought it was just me, to be honest.
1: No, no, <laughs> no. It's about 98% of you do it. Wow. Um, so they took part on this sales training course, and as they left on the second day, I said to them, how was it? And they put their thumbs up, but I didn't think they really enjoyed it. So I said to them, I'll give you a call in about six to eight weeks um and six eight weeks later i'm lying on my couch at home and i was thinking i wonder how those two dentists got on um should i give them a call should i not should i give them a ring and anyway i decided to ring them um and i must admit i was a bit nervous making the phone calls because i didn't think they enjoyed it but nothing really could be further from the truth they both told me that their treatment plan acceptance had increased more patients were saying yes Um, They weren't discounting anymore. Their books were full. But the main thing they told me was for the first time ever, uh, they were delivering the dentistry they loved to do and their patients wanted. And that was the key thing. Um, So I kept in touch with them. One guy in particular, a guy there called Neil Sampson, who I'm still friends with today. And, um, you know, they told their mates. And about six to eight months later, I delivered my first ever, we called it the um, Ethical Sales and Communication course um we had 26 27 dentists um it was a brilliant two days i rang all those dentists up over a series of weeks and they all said the same you know the books are full more patients saying yes um you know in the dentistry they love to do and they told their mates so really from um just from two dentists the first two or three years it was a slow burner i wasn't really i was doing it part-time if you might say but then after about um, um, probably about 18, 19 years ago, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this full time. So I went full time into dentistry, solely working with dentistry and, um, the rest is history. So if you fast forward today, I've now delivered close on 33,000 hours of business training to the dental world, all over the world, uh, USA, Sydney, India, Singapore, different countries um i'm speaking today from a, a 3000 square foot training center um and we have about 10 different courses from the ethical sales course to a speaking course to an entrepreneur group practice managers club um uh, we we train young dentists as well who are just graduated we've got special courses for those guys um as you say i've written three books and um yeah so i'm i'm pretty pleased i made two phone calls 20 22 years ago, because if I hadn't, it might have been a completely different story. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's that's my that's my story, basically.
0: Tell you what, the doors that open, you don't know what's behind them until you open. them, no. And it can even be as simple as a phone call. It kind of reminds me not to go off too much on a tangent, but have you heard about how Ray Kroc started McDonald's? Yeah. The story. Yeah. He was a milkshake salesman. He sold one to two milkshake machines to various different fast food restaurants. One day he got an order for six, and he thought to himself, "That's a bit strange and out of the blue. What are these guys doing differently?" He went out of his way to contact these people, you know, who had you know uh, ordered six milkshakes from him, six milks- milkshakes machines. He wanted to know what their secret was. He went down to you'll have to remind me, was it Kentucky, something like, I don't even know where McDonald's originally is from, just to check out what was going on. He saw a restaurant that was taken off and it was booming. He thought to himself. I'll have a slice of that. The restaurant was called the McDonald's Brothers and the rest is history. So, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to say, again, uh, yeah, so just in case anybody hasn't heard that story before, uh, myself and Ashley have, obviously, but that's an interesting one and it kind of just reminded me of that. The other thing I was going to say, just as a personal anecdote regarding your books, Ashley, it's the stuff that's in them. It's, I always used, cause I made the transition from NHS to private and I used to notice that for whatever reason my patient return rate after I had the initial consultation was terrible and I used to turn the charm on, you know, I felt like I was being, you know, nice to these people, hopefully not rubbing them up the wrong way. Uh, it began to make me think to myself that perhaps I was, but I read your book and I realized I was A lot of the red flags that you talk about in there, I was committing. I wasn't locking them in for their second appointments. I was Mm. saying, go off, Mrs. Jones, go and think about it. That is honestly the silliest thing because the number of people that won't come to the dentist unless you somehow enforce them to, or at least you've got it locked in a little bit, is quite out of the ordinary and I suppose you understand it in the way because it is most people will avoid it where possible so you almost have to kind of ensure that they do and it's not just because you're thinking about your own pocket it's because you're thinking about how can we help these people as well and ensure that they come mm-hmm. back so that was one that really resonated with me I can't remember which one of your two books it was your three books it was from I've only read two of them but anyway it really really helped me I sent you're reaching over it must
1: be in this one don't wait for the two fairy
0: ah yes I think it, I believe it? it was I believe it yeah. was and your little system about the different characters that you encounter, the passive, mm. the active, uh, how to sell to different individuals. That was something that I just had no clue about until I read those books. So they helped, they helped me tremendously. Ashley has been right. paying me to say these things, by the way. <laughs> Hand on thank heart, you. They really, really helped me. Anyway, Ashley, thank you so much for the introduction that you've given us. That's wonderful. I wanted to know as well. We touched a little bit on this just a second ago. Why are we so bad at selling as dentists? What do you think that you could describe succinctly, nail on the head, why we're so bad at doing it? Well,
1: I, I wouldn't say you're all bad at it. Um, I wouldn't say you're great at it either, but but, but, but but there is some people that do it reasonably well. Well, you've you've got to remember, first of all, you 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 are technicians by nature, and um you you've gone into the healthcare business to help people so you probably went to university not thinking about communication obviously you weren't taught these skills at university either nobody i think somebody once said to me they've had one hour's education on communication um so you you've you you are engineers and you've spent all your life learning how to um you know to do the technical side of of dentistry, but I haven't spent any time learning the the communication side. And if you think about I me, mean, you're a private dentist, so you should know this. But um, uh, in in um, when you're in a, in a consultation with a patient, uh, whether the patient's coming to speak to you about certain treatment, or you're just having a normal uh, consultation with a with a um, an existing patient. About 85 to 90 percent of your financial success, whether a patient will go ahead or not, will all come down to skills and attitude and skills such as communication skills, good listening skills, great asking questions. You mentioned it before, um, saying to the patient, you know, how does that sound? Is that the sort of thing you're looking for? Rather than saying, go home and think about it. And attitude or things like positive flexibility, enthusiasm, confidence. You know, 85% is is down to those two areas, and only 15% is applicable to the product knowledge. Well, the problem is that most dentists spend all their time learning the product knowledge, but spend very little time developing the skills and attitude. So you learn all the technical stuff, but you don't spend any time learning what really is the most important areas or the equally most important areas, which is the the skills and attitude. So, So that's probably... The reasons why, but probably going back to what I've already said before, the main reason is is that you probably went into university uh, in healthcare, not thinking about you know having to
0: sell it. Real quick, guys, I've put together a special report for dentists entitled "The Seven Costly and Potentially Disastrous Mistakes." that dentists make whenever it comes to their finances most of the time dentists are going through these issues and they don't even necessarily realize that they're happening until they have their eyes opened and that is the purpose of this report you can go ahead and receive your free report by heading on over to wwwdentistinvestcom forward slash podcast report or alternatively you can download it using the link in the description this report details these seven most common issues However, most importantly, it also shows you how to fix them. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Totally. How long did it take you personally to get around all the technical terms and jargon that we use? Or are you still getting there? There's I'm notes. still
1: getting there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tell you what, five years of university and I still hear terms from time to time that I've never yeah. been across before. So. Hats off to you, Ashley, for uh, well, it's, for...
1: Change, it's It's obviously it's obviously changing all the time now. You know, with with um, ITO scanners and different scanner machines and dental monitoring. So, I mean, it's all changing all the time. So you just, you just I, I just need to keep a little bit abreast of it and and make sure that I have an understanding of it all. But I, obviously, I don't. Uh, I, I um, although I, I often say nowadays that I, um, I, I can probably place a crown and do fillings. I've spent that much time um, with dentists, you could but definitely um,
0: have a stab. I mean, I'm sure you could. Yeah. Talk, you could talk the patient into it.
1: Which I, could to them, I could talk. I could talk them, but I can't do the dentistry. I said it will do. I'll, I'll sell it for you, and you can do it.
0: <laughs> I actually read something in your book that I'd never come across before, which was a technical term in dentistry. It was the proportion of copper that's in an orthodontic wire—six percent. Maybe you don't even. Maybe you don't remember this in your book. I, I learned yeah. that. I learned that from your book. I I'm, I'm, I hold my hands up and I say I'm not an orthodontist. So yeah, this is just another microcosm of yeah. how much jargon there is out there. And yeah, like I say hats off to Ashley for persevering. Ashley, we talked about selling NHS versus private. What are the specific challenges to each? How do they compare? And how do you teach them on your course? Can you just elaborate a little bit? Yeah, sure. Too.
1: Sure. I mean, I I would say that I would say that um the vast majority of the dentists who are coming to our courses are NHS, but wanting to do uh, more private. If I look at, you know, I've, I've delivered four courses this week and, you know, I would say that the vast majority of them. So in short, um, um, how, how do I do with it? OK, so in short, what, what patients are interested in is, is, is what's the difference and what are the benefits? What, what's in it for me? Um, now, what a lot of dentists do is they focus on what they call the features of the product or service. But actually, the product, the features is fine, but you have to link it to the benefit and what difference is going to make to the patient. So if you are in, a, let's say you're a hairdresser and we're talking about, you know, NHS crowns or private crowns. So, uh, you know, what's, what's the difference between the two? And what's the advantage of the patient having a private crown? And what does it mean to them? So you've got to explain to them what the difference is, what the advantages are, and then tailor it to the patient. And that's what you've got to do if you really want to increase your uptake of private against NHS, because patients aren't interested in the features. They want to know what's in it for me. So if I'm going to pay 2 to five for a pri- uh, an NHS crown or 500 for private what's the difference what's the benefits and what it's going to what's it going to mean to me now the other thing you've got to do is um is not um not make assumptions about who's going to buy and who's not going to buy i had a dentist on a course this week great dentist uh, lovely guy and he makes assumptions about his patients so sometimes he offers it some and doesn't offer it others well when you do that you are you're missing out on Lots of opportunities. So the major advantage I would say, the major advice I would give to people, is not only talk about the benefits and what it means to the patient, but also make sure you offer it everybody and don't make assumptions about who will and who won't, because a lot of dentists do that. And um and if you do that, you know, offer it to everybody and talk about the benefits, then you will see. And you've got some good models. You've got you've got maybe you've got some before and after pictures and uh, models to show the patients then you should see an increase in your uptake of private treatment.
0: One thing, as well as that, when I made the transition into private, it's very, on NHS, you have more of a carte blanche, I think, to offer the, well a different treatment based on its features. So let's say you're on the NHS. You can say to someone, well, the NHS pays for what's functional, but they don't necessarily pay for anything over and above that. So the where where I used to come from when the whole private, whether or not I was prepared to undertake some work privately or on NHS would be, I could come from that angle and I could say, well, if you want this MCC crown, it's very practical, it lasts for very long, that will be available on the NHS. Whereas if you want this lovely porcelain crown, it'll have lovely primary and secondary anatomy, then I'm afraid because of the lab bill is so much higher, then that would be a private treatment. The thing that made it difficult for me was when I came into private in the first place, I found it difficult to justify the price to people, particularly if there was, how can I say, if something was very time consuming and would take me a while. I found that a really nice thing to say to someone was that if you could talk about the labs and big them up and big the job that they were going to do up and how difficult and time consuming it is for them, it helped me sell a lot more treatment. And also, just what you were saying there, it's always great. We should never make assumptions as professionals and that carries through to our selling as well. Ashley, on your course, you've been doing this for however long now, on your course, if you had a top 10 hit list or a top 10 things of gripes, things that bother you when dentists come to see you, it doesn't come to see you, it doesn't have to be 10, but most common things that dentists, crimes that dentists commit, that kind of talk themselves out of selling things. What would you say might be on that top 10? Okay,
1: so the biggest mistakes they make.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or is it going to be um, difficult to narrow down? To no, do no,
1: no, 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 no. I, I can do this for you. Listen, I've, listen, I've, I've delivered 32,000 hours, so I've, I, I okay. should know them by now. I think some of the biggest mistakes they make is they um, they don't spend enough time building rapport. Um, uh, we, we we have uh, dentists who take my course and they've gone back you know they come back and again and again and again. Once they come on, that's it. They're hooked. They come on every year virtually. But often when I speak to dentists, they say I'm spending more time with my patient. I'm getting to know them better, and I've learnt more about the patient in one meeting than I have in the last twenty years. So that that's that's one thing. The other thing, the biggest mistake dentists make, is they um, don't they they don't ask enough questions. So they tend to sell the treatment without really truly fully finding out what the patient's wants and needs are. So they don't, um, they don't ask enough questions. If a patient comes in and they're interested in something, they may ask one question and then they start jumping into, here's how we can help you, this is what it is and this is what it does. And you start talking about the, the, the process. So and, and also because of that, you make assumptions about patients. So because you make assumptions about patients, you're not asking enough questions and you're missing out on opportunities. So that, that's another um, uh, a, a biggie, big mistake that, um, that dentists tend to make. I'll give you a great example. So if a patient comes in and they say, I'm interested in teeth whitening, well, the dentists will launch into a presentation of, well, there's two ways of doing it. And what we do is we take an impression. We send it to a lab and then what we do is make these trays molds. I mean you can relate to this. You're laughing as we're speaking I, I about just, it.
0: I, I do I just see myself in it. I really do. Yeah. I just mean, I just, and, I, just and, I I assume they've maybe got this sciencey technical minded brain. Because yeah. that's what us dentists we we just enjoy. We we almost get a weird thrill out of it, but really yeah. most of society doesn't think in that way.
1: Yeah. We see that's, and that, and that that's the other big issue. You see, you 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 tend because you're researchers, you research, a lot of dentists research a lot. They're like engineers. So when they're buying something themselves, they tend to be slow decision makers and spend hours and hours and hours researching. So when they go actually and buy the thing themselves in the shop, they actually know more than the salesperson selling to them. <laughs> um, so, so they think that it must be the same for the patients. They want to know absolutely everything. So if you visit dentist websites, for example, and they go let's say you go to the implant section, it talks all about the journey, the process, the titanium screws, the the jawbone, anesthetic osseointegration, the suture you know it, it, it's very technical, so they tend to talk too technical um that's another big mistake uh, dentists tend to make, and the other big mistake they make is is that they discount their fees a lot, you know um, they're not particularly great at discussing fees, so they will tend to discount. Um, make assumptions that the patient wouldn't pay that. So if they they reduce the fee, they think that more patients might say yes. But, um, you know, every 10% reduction in their fees, you're you're losing 25, 30% of your net profit. So those are the big mistakes I find that dentists make. There's a lot more, but those are sort of five or six there that I find that a lot of dentists uh, tend to make when they come on the courses.
0: I think a lot of listeners will recognise themselves in that. And that's not... That's not any critique on your character. These are just common things that make us all human. And these were 100% things that I did that almost talked myself out of a sale even before I made it because they're almost psychological barriers that we create ourselves. So yeah, definitely, as I say, good. It's uh, interesting to hear that, I suppose. When you began learning about selling, I know this is your background. Us dentists, don't have that background necessarily. Now I know that they can come on your course and that will assist them in that journey. Was there some really great resources that you found helped you to become more au fay with communication and selling? So let's say books, so let's say websites, yeah. let's say people you met. I don't know.
1: I I well I need first of all, I need to work for the Dale Carnegie Training Organization, which is the world's leading global training organization in the world so i used to sell their courses i used to teach the courses and then eventually i became an international master trainer so i went around the world training to become tra- trainers to become trainers so when i joined carnegie um i i literally became a lifelong learner of sales and communication and marketing so i was always i was a five course instructor so i i, I was always learning to deliver the courses, deliver the training, uh, but the the I would say the big moment in my life was um, after year one of of working with Dale Carnegie, selling their training courses in Salford and Trafford Park. I I mean I had I, I by the way I was I was I was dreadful at it. I think the first year I earned about eight thousand pound. So, but what I did was I I went to the states and I went to learn from the number one. Dale Carnegie salesman in the world. So he was delivering a course, a weekend course for a Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And I paid to go over. Um, it was in New York or just outside New York. And I paid to go on this course myself. and took a whole weekend away and I went. And I actually did the course when I actually didn't have any money in the in the bank to pay for it. I put it on a credit card. But what I learned over those three days basically changed my life. And I learned the principles of Um, of ethical selling, that it's not about hard selling. It's not about pushing or controlling. It really is about rapport building and asking questions. So when I came back from that course, I instantly got great results. My sales figures went up and I instantly did better. So once that happened, I just became a lifelong learner about sales and marketing. And I still spend i would say about an hour every single day and i mean that six days a week i may have a day off on a sunday or something but i'm always learning about sales and marketing so i i sign up to four or five different um gurus i get their webinars each week i I uh, enroll on a business TV program. I'm reading books all the time. And one book leads you to the next book, if that makes sense. You read a book and then it leads you on to another book. It leads on to another book. I'm like so, that with
0: finance books. Sorry to just interject. Yeah. I always think to myself, the next book's going to be the final one. Then I'm going to be the guru. No. And then you read that one and there's like five more whole tangents you can go on. Correct. Books it recommends. Correct. You never quite get there, do you?
1: You never do. And, and, I, and, and I absolutely love it. So for me, it's a hobby. It's not work, you know. I, I often um, have my dinner at home, and I'll take the dogs for a walk for an hour, and I'll listen to something. If I come back with one idea, or sometimes it might be the whole, it might be the whole week when I come back with one good idea. But then, if I implement it and it works, then then it, you know I, I'm I'm delighted. So um, I'm I'm always learning. I'm always picking up new new what the latest is and what's going on, and and rehashing and. I learn a lot from my clients. So every week we have Zoom calls with my clients who've taken courses. They tell me what they've done differently using my material, and then I can change my material. I can I can start implementing, change the manuals, do things differently, use their success stories on the courses. So 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 for me, it's just it's, it's a listen. I'm, I'm 56 and I I've um. I've probably got, you know, I've earned the right to say this, but, you you know, this this is going out to people who are investing and stuff. You know, you cannot invest money and time better than personal development on yourself, on sales, marketing, and your own personal development. You just cannot invest your money better. You can invest money in the stock exchange. You can invest money in gold and, again, all that in houses. But the greatest return back you can get on your investment is going to be always sales, going to be always marketing skills, and it's always going to be on your own personal development. And if you can invest in yourself there, there's no other better investment. You will not get a better return back than investing on yourself in terms of sales, marketing, and personal development, particularly at the start of your career as a dentist. And if you can, you know, I've got a dentist on my course um this week i've been working with him now for a few months he's called i he's 26 27 he's done i don't know 50 60 invisalign cases in his first year or second year i mean uh, and, and he's invested what maybe a couple of grand three thousand pound with me and yet what's he had back in return you know something like 150 200 pound well where can you get a better return back on your investment on that you just can't so um, if if I was because obviously this is about investing, you can't invest better in personal development, sales and marketing. And, you know, I'm learning now how to write in sales. I'm learning how to craft letters and write brochures. And, you know, only a few weeks ago, we sent an advert out and, and in the space of a weekend. We took £20,000 in sales for a course. And that was an advert that probably took me three hours to write. So, um, yeah. Um, uh, if, you, if you're if asking my advice and pinpointing it you cannot invest your money better in yourself and that's what I do all the time
0: on that note a lot of investors they'll have their total investment capital so the money that they set aside from investing after they put some money in the bank and they will ring fence some of that a proportion say 5-10% every so often well just out of the total every month whatever that is they stash away mm. after their salary and they will say This is not for traditional investing. This is for investing in me. So therefore, growth and education. So that's an interesting one. It's a common technique, is that? And that just adds on to what Ashley is saying really nicely. Second thing I'll say, when you were talking about your books earlier, I saw something that you posted on Facebook. I think it was a while ago. And the caption was, second bookshelf of self-help books that I've read. And this was not a small bookshelf by any stretch of the imagination. So that's what being a lifelong reader looks like. And yeah, I can only imagine the amount of information you've managed to uh, squeeze into your head there uh, from those books that you've read. And being a lifelong reader is something that I've become committed to over the last few years. And it really, it, it almost gives me a new lease, lease of life. You'll always realize there's more to learn. Reading books is the greatest life hack there is. I swear the, different the the way you can differentiate yourself from other people and learn about things in depth it's mind-blowing it's just seems something so obvious yet so few yeah. people do it you know what i mean so i'm completely on board with that you've listed your no-nos but that's a bit of a negative that's a bit of a downer what about your top tips the,
1: other the top tip- tips um top tips um just just when your patients come in just Build amazing rapport with people. You know, just become. Dale Carnegie said it the best way in his famous book, *How to Win Friends and Influence People*. But if you are genuinely interested in people, they become genuinely interested in you. And and that's just a key skill. And if, and if you can be really good at making friends, connecting with people, really good at asking questions, and if you can do that really, really well. Um, you will create so many opportunities. Um and um um on on my courses, you know, we spend 16 hours learning how to ethical sell people, yet we only spend about 45 minutes learning how to close and gain commitment. The rest of it is just all about how to connect with people and uh, and build rapport. So um uh, and asking the right questions. So stop selling and ask questions. And the more ask questions you ask, the more opportunities. Uh, you will create. And the more you learn, the more you earn. And that that that's the big tip. And I think the second big thing that you ought to um, do is not to discount your fees. Uh, get into the habit, especially if you are young, a young dentist, um, get into the habit of charging the correct fee and don't discount. Because when you discount your fees, it becomes habit and you start doing it two, three times a day. And before you know it, you've discounted 15 fees over a year, over a week, times it by 40, you know, six, 700 times a year. Well, that's big money. It adds up. and um, Because this podcast is all about investing and generating wealth, you know, so charge the correct fees right from the word go in your, in your career. And if a patient says, no, that's fine. Move on. Don't get, don't get uh, discouraged because the next patient might just say yes, so that would be the big um the big few th- the big three things that I would say is really getting to know your patients, connecting, building rapport, following up with them at home, make your phone call here and there, asking really good questions, create opportunities and um and not to discount you know charge the correct fees. you know you've spent years developing the craft. You're in um, seven, eight years to become a really good dentist. And you keep, you know, the thing about dentists is that they, on the whole, they keep learning. You know, they keep developing themselves. So make sure you charge the correct fee.
0: We do put a lot of work in in dental school. And maybe the patients don't necessarily understand that when they are looking for discounts or whenever we offer to them discount. It's almost a disservice to ourselves Yeah. When you were talking earlier about the, when we shave, let's say we've got a thousand pounds, let's say a crown a thousand pounds, expensive crown, but we'll use it because it's a round number. If your costs are 500, you deduct, you you say to the patient, you've already taken some money off in your head before you've even told them the price. And you say it's 800, that's 20% off the cost of the crown to the patient. But that's actually forty percent of your profit, so it's magnified. I, I believe you said this earlier, but I was just putting it in some nice round terms. This was a really nice way that someone explained it to me once, or perhaps I read it in your book, Ashley.
1: Yeah. So let, let me explain. So let's let's for simple sake. And by the way, I got um, I didn't get an O level in maths, or I think you call them GCSE. So I'm not a great mathematician. So um, so bear with me. Let's say you sell something for hundred. Yeah. And let's say, for example, the cost is 65 and you make 35 net profit. Let's just use those figures as a round, uh, just for the example of yeah, this. Of course, yeah. Well, let's say instead of selling it for 100, you're not 10% off. that's So you're not getting, you, You're selling it for 90. Okay. So you're selling something for 90, that you should be selling for 100. Now, the costs are still the same. So the cost is 65, but instead of you making 35, you're now only making 25. Okay. Now, the difference between thirty-five and twenty-five is actually twenty-eight percent. So, by just reducing something by ten percent, you can actually knock twenty-eight percent off your net profit.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and,
1: and that, and that, and that's the impact. So, people think, "Oh, it's only ten pounds, only ten percent," but actually, it's not. It's twenty-eight percent.
0: That's
1: Now, actually, it works the other way. So, if you sell something for one hundred and ten. Your cost is still 65, but instead of 35, you're making 45 profit. So your profit goes up by 28%. So that's the good news. And that's really why, where, where you want to be focusing on, trying to increase your fees rather than deducting them.
0: Absolutely. And then the other thing I was just going to say, just to add on what you were talking about prior to that, was that when we have a patient, I read something a while ago that when we have a patient it's always a good idea to m- try to memorize five things about them before they come into the room just as conversation starters and little tangents and it just sets you apart from the rest of the dentists that they've seen so for me personally i i i genuinely found the person's history and their story interesting. so i would almost always learn their profession and maybe where they came from where their address if i knew the area or not things of that nature, because everybody's favourite subject is themselves. Is themselves. Everybody's favourite subjects and themselves. And even if nothing else, it'll get them to open up. It, it really can't not do you any favours. The only yeah. thing I'll say is there is the... Am I right in saying it's the business-type person that that does slightly backfire on sometimes and they prefer a more cold, professional approach? Yeah, they, they, I mean,
1: I, 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 I am generalising. Not everybody's like this, but but, but there is... Um, you know, sometimes it's it, um, entrepreneurs can often be, um, uh, you know, people like myself. Sometimes we're, we might not be the most talkative building time with poor people. And, that, and yeah, it'd be only because we're time conscious people. So so often we are, everything we do is running against the clock. So if we're going out to do business, um, typically that's what we want to do because we've got something else lined up straight after so I'm not I'm not saying it yeah, but in, in typically entrepreneurs are not great rapport builders only because they're very, very, very time conscious people.
0: Should be mentioned that those people are generally few and far between, but it's just something to be conscious of and yeah. something that I learned a while ago. And looking back on it, there were times where I was you know, really bubbly and maybe friendly to someone. And maybe in hindsight, I could see they were a bit reticent to that, but I didn't recognize at the time. And now I've definitely become a little bit savvier as time went on. That was a helpful one for me when I, I can't remember where I read that, but anyway, just a helpful one. Ashley, we've done a wonderful rundown today of some, tips top tips on selling top no-nos and things like that how do you help on your courses and can you just tell us a little bit more about the various different types of courses you offer i have to admit as well ashley and i were talking off camera before this and i honestly thought that maybe ashley's courses wouldn't necessarily be running at the minute because of the covid pandemic but ashley has said that that's not the case so perhaps you could go in a little bit more detail than that for anybody else i hope yeah. you may be thinking that too
1: yeah so so and obviously, we've got I, I could talk about my courses all day, but we've got a couple of um programs that for for dentists. Um so the, the main core course we have is obviously the two-day ethical sales and communication course. So that's the core program. So that teaches um the dentists and their teams and treatment coordinators, you know, the, the perfect consultation. I, I I cover eight steps. From building a board, how to ask the right questions, how to sell, how to discuss fees, overcome objections, how to close and follow up. So that's the core program. Um, so uh, dentists tend to take that course first. Then they take the um, advanced masterclass program. So that's like um, um, a refresher of the first two days. But then we cover the things like the four different personality styles. Uh, we go into very much detail of of, of the characteristics of each one and how they buy and how we need to sell to them and how communicate with them. We go into a lot more detail about how to get referrals and Google reviews and that type of thing. So people tend to take the two-day course then they come back and take the um, advanced course and then we have what we call a speaking and self-confidence course and that's a program where we teach dentists and, and again team members how to be more a much better communicator one-to-one and in groups of people. So we have that, uh, like a package there. So, you know, we start, started from £97 a month. You can work with us over 18 months and take all three courses, so, um, which is great. We have about 300 dentists who, who are on that package with us. And that's brilliant because we can, we can work with them over a, an 18-month period. We can see them grow and we can really make an impact on their career. And then we have like a, a practice success club where, uh, you know, where dentists uh, and sort of practices can put all their people on all our courses, again, for a nominal monthly fee. And on top of those three courses, then we have a practice managers club and we have a, a reception course where we teach receptionists how to take inquiries and turn them into appointments. Mm-hmm. So, um, so those are the sort of five core open courses that we run and people can come in and 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 take those or like i said we have packages starting from 97 pound a month where dentists can take all three courses and work with us over over a period and and we can really make an impact and a difference to their lives
0: there you go guys plenty of options to suit your budget if you are so such ways inclined um plenty of value given out on this podcast and i'm sure that ashley can go into way more detail on that if you were of course interested feel free to get in touch with them finally ashley finally this is the bit at the end of the podcast that i love most we want to freestyle a little bit we've always got some questions on the group uh dentists who invest community group for dentists who enjoy trading uh which you can find on facebook if anybody who is listening to this is not already in it we promo these podcasts beforehand in the group we allow people we permit people a few days beforehand to ask some questions. So finally Ashley, if it's okay with you, we've just got some of those questions, so I might just run them mm-hmm. by you. So let's see. I haven't read these before by the way, so I might well I'm sure they'll be fine, but I might have to edit them and make sense of them a little bit. Here's one. We've got a question from Suleiman Saka. Shout out to Suleiman. Suleyman would like to know he works in a mixed NHS rural practice. And he reckons that some dentists feel uneasy discussing private fields and undervalue their professional services. Uh He is looking for ways to overcome that. I think we kind of touched covered that already. earlier, yeah. didn't we, really? Anything else you could maybe add just for Suly's sure um, benefit? I, I, I
1: think really what we – I think we probably covered that uh, quite a lot today, and, and a lot of dentists they they really do undervalue themselves. um You know, I'm be biased. I would say, well, come and take a course with me, Solomon, and and you'll get over that. But um you know, if you're not ready to take a course with me, but read my books. You know, go and buy the two books that we've um, that I've written. Uh, Don't wait for the tooth fairy and the other book, which is a a great book which is you know you are worth it you know how to discuss fees with self-confidence and achieve the income that your services deserve you know those two books will help you in 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 a really really big way and and but it's just it's the game that goes on in your head and you need to change the the message that's going on in your head uh, otherwise you you will you'll struggle with this fees for the rest of your life really so um, I think the other thing is that you need to overcome is just accept that in a particularly in a mixed practice, when you're offering uh, both types of treatments, not everyone's going to say yes to private treatment. You just need to accept is that, you know, you have a passion for it, but some patients haven't. And not everyone's going to say yes. And if they don't say yes, it's not. Don't take it personal. It's never you. It's just that sometimes what you're offering it's just not right for them. So you just need to count to five and get over it and move on.
0: Awesome. Next question from Suleiman. He just wants to know if you've got any top tips from marketing specifically implants. Anything you can say on that?
1: Oh God. Um, do you know, I I I, um, I work a lot with a few corporates and we I go into their practices some of these practices and I spend three days there and I do marketing, I do sales and I do world-class customer care. Yeah. Uh, and what I've learned is this, is that the, the most opportunities you've got are with your existing clients. You know, if they've got loose dentures, have you ever asked them, um, you know, uh, does the denture bother you? Does it impact your eating? Is there anything at all that you'd like to change about that if you could, if they've got spaces, if they've got extractions, you know, I'm going to some, dental practices you know if they've got seven or eight dentists they're doing like a thousand 1, twelve hundred extractions a year and only placing 50 60 implants well there's a massive mismatch there you know do you offer implants to all those extractions and inevitably when i go down there it's less than a five minute conversation so i don't think patients even know that that's an option half the time so i would say if you look into, um if you look into place implants, do more of them, then your opportunities are definitely with your existing patients. But Solomon, I'm, I'm, I'm biased, but I'm, I deliver a, a ethical sales course for dentists who want to place more implants with Bill Schaefer and uh, Stephen Jacobs. Now, Bill and Stephen are dentists who have taken courses with me now for about 12, 13 years. They uh, place five to 600 implants each plus a year. And they are the most, Two kindest human beings you'll ever meet. You must come and take the course with me, Bill, and Stephen. We're doing that in March 2021. I think we've probably got about um 10 spaces left on that with social distancing, but you will get everything you need to know on how to sell and market implants on that course. So um I think it's March the 19th and 20th. It's in lot, it's in my center here in Manchester, please look at it on the website and and give me a shout because you'll learn everything from that course that will help you sell market implants for life. We've had dentists travel from Sydney to take this course in the past. So it's on your doorstep.
0: Great stuff. And just final two questions. The first of those is we have a question on marketing yourself ethically as someone who is able to undertake ABB treatment how to set yourself apart from the rising stars that as they've been tactfully called in this post but which i suppose can also mean beginners or people who've quite new to dentistry the rookies how to tactfully market yourself as someone who is able to do that whilst also maintaining how can we say whilst also maintaining realistic expectations from the patients i know that that's quite an ethereal thing to talk about Ashley so we'll just have some marketing tips that are ethical for ABB treatment hard for you to answer possibly
1: the the biggest mistake the biggest well one of the one of the biggest business mistakes let's talk about business now for a minute is just relying on one and that's one of anything so if you're asking me what uh, what marketing tips you've got to do you've got to have lots of different ways so you've got to be where your patients are so if your patients are looking at instagram you need to be posting on instagram if your patient you know you have got to be posting on on all the different social medias you've got to be doing an absolutely amazing job for your patients exceeding their expectations getting video testimonials from them getting referrals from them i mean the best way of getting more new clients is definitely going to be handing out referral cards. So hand out referral cards to your existing patients, uh, do an amazing job for them, follow them up at home, you know, ring them up at home saying, how was the treatment? How is everything going? So you've got to be doing lots of different activities. I would say uh, don't just rely on one, just use, use seven or eight, nine, 10 different ways. Um, but definitely post or be where your patients are. And I think the second thing is is uh, make sure you're handing out referral cards and maintaining those relationships. And I think if you do all those things, then you will uh, – but you've got to do it consistently. Do it every day. Do something every day that will help grow your business. And if you do that, then you will see more opportunities being created.
0: Effectively, I believe what Suleiman is getting at, there is how to distinguish him, himself, himself from – newer dentists who are maybe a little more savvy with social media, how can that be on a more level playing field, which you've answered wonderfully. So that's yeah. great. And the very final question is, what 0% finance deals are the best value for the practice and the dentist? Can you give us any insight on that, Ashley?
1: I don't know. Um, I mean, the, the company that uh, I recommend people to speak to is Medenta. I think they're owned by practice plan now. Um, uh, but I don't know all the packages you need you really need to look in that. What what I would say is you need to offer finance, you've got to make it easier for clients to do business with you. So I think that's really important. My understanding is and you'd have to check up on this, but I think I think it might be Medenta. I've just launched an 18-month or was it a two-year interest free? But again, check up on that. I'm 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 not a hundred percent certain. I something I only heard a few week, couple of weeks ago. Um um but um I, I don't know the answer to that question unfortunately but the company I recommend, Medenta, I think they overall seem to have a, a really good package and you can get an answer quite quickly off them which is another good thing
0: Wonderful, hopefully Ashley has given you a good place to start looking there, Suleiman so hopefully that helps in some way Ashley, we're going to wrap I think up
1: this was a pri- I think this was a private course for Suleiman there, wasn't it? I oh, was, Sorry I think it was, I think this was a private course for Solomon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I tell you what, yeah. Um, but get uh,
1: Solomon to give me a call.
0: <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, um, we give you a lot. Solomon got a lot of airtime tonight, but you know what? they were good questions, so I'm pretty happy with those. So thanks very much for those, Solomon.
1: As You're I'm welcome. Gonna,
0: we're going to wrap up here tonight. Thank you so much for coming You're welcome. the show. Thank you for giving us so much value as well, because there was a lot of stuff in there that I learned for the first time and a lot of stuff that I read on your books that really, really, really helped me. Even though you are a Man United fan, I think I'm going to let that slide. Thanks for a very good podcast, Ashley. Thanks a lot. And pleasure to meet you and hopefully speak to you again soon. I'll let you get off. Yeah. Me. In a bit. Cheers, James. Bye. Take care.